Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind, Healthy Life with your host Avik. This podcast is all about exploring the latest research, sharing personal stories and providing personal tips for improving our mental health and well-being. Each episodes will be joined by experts in the field of mental health as well as individuals who have experienced the transformative power of a healthy mind firsthand. Together we will dive into a range of topics from managing stress and anxiety to building resilience and cultivating happiness. So, join us on this journey to discover new ways to take care of our minds, bodies and souls and let's work together to create a healthier, happier world one episode at a time. So, let's get started. Hello and welcome to the podcast Embracing Authenticity Nurturing Mental Health Self Love and Wellbeing on your show Healthy Mind Healthy Life I'm your host Avik and today we have a very special guest joining us on this transformative journey please give a warm welcome to Barry Nikodu <laughs> Avik, thank you for having me. It's so beautiful to be in this space with you. Thank you. So, so uh, let me let me uh, like tell the listeners that Barry is a remarkable individual who discovered his true purpose in assisting others back in 2015. So, in, inspired by a profound experience at a cemetery, he went on to write and publish. the first best selling book on amazon which is the 11 master secrets to business success and personal fulfillment you can definitely uh, go to amazon and you can search for the books i'll definitely give it uh, on the uh, description of the podcast you can uh, reach out there so this insightful book delves into the intersection of economic freedom and personal fulfillment outlining 11 crucial areas for achieving success and happiness so barry's uh, expertise lies in uh, like deconstructing the layers beneath cognitive fear indecision and subconscious paradigms so in in i guess inherited thinking and habitual thought patterns so mm. examining the uh, profound impact on real world expectations and experiences so like so not only has barry focused on individual growth but he has also extended his reach to mental health programs and assisting businesses in developing mm. positive culture that directly impacts their bottom line so great get ready to embark <laughs> on a thought provoking and enlightening conversation with barry as we explore the transformative power of embracing authenticity nurturing mental health self love and overall wellbeing so always remember the most pressing conversation or the conversation of our time is is understanding how our thoughts can either sabotage or assist in creating the life we truly desire so let's dive into the captivating discussion and discover the keys to unlocking our fullest potential so very welcome to the <laughs> 
<laughs> that was the most beautiful introduction I have ever heard. <laughs> Thank you so much for putting it like that. Um, well, it's th there's so many subjects to cover, um, but yeah. I think the most important one is um, to understand where my journey has come from because it hasn't always been this way. Um, in 2015, I was driving to an appointment. Uh, I was in the shoe industry in Australia. Oh. And we were selling shoes to um, to retailers who were selling shoes to the public. And um, my customer called me and said, um, "Barry, I'm running, I'm I'm running late. Can you can you delay my appointment for one hour?" And I said, "No problem." And what I did next is um, I didn't know anyone that was buried in this place, but I drove inside this beautiful cemetery in the northwestern suburbs of Sydney. Um, I got out of my car and I started walking amongst these graves, right? And you start to do the maths in between the years where people were born and people died, right? <clears throat> so you realize, Avik, I, I had this realization that it wasn't just 80 and 90 and 100-year-olds in the graves. There was 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds, right? And that brought a certain sense of finiteness to life because we don't know when our time is up. We just don't know. We, we think that we're going to be 90 and die peacefully in our sleep. It doesn't always happen that way, right? Um, and then um, I felt three words communicated to me, almost like an internal epiphany. It felt supernatural for me, right? And those three words were live your life. And I didn't understand what that meant because I thought I was living my life. And the shoe industry was giving me an income, like it was giving me money to provide for my family. But I wasn't being lit up inside. I wasn't being um, fulfilled inside. Um, so then I went home that night and I just didn't think anything else of that cemetery moment. And then I went to sleep. And I wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning and the word your, Y-O-U-R, your, was highlighted in my brain. Like live your life. Yeah. Don't try and live a life based on somebody else's opinions. And I thought, well, what does that mean to live your life? It doesn't make a lot of sense. So I just started writing at 3 o'clock in the morning about the things that excited me. And I knew that I wanted economic freedom. But I knew a lot of rich people that were not happy. They were just, all of their life, they were just chasing one thing, money, right? They had poor family relationships. They had poor nutrition. They had poor health. They had poor sleeping patterns. They didn't give anything to charity. They just, they were very sad individuals with a lot of money. And I didn't want that. <clears throat> so I wanted the fulfillment aspect of life. And you realize, my friend, that, that the only way to get fulfillment in life, the only way, is to be of service to other people True. And, and not necessarily agenda focused, uh, a service of saying, I want to help you and I don't care what comes back to me. I just want to be of service to you because that is the energy of abundance and that is the energy of love and that is the energy of joy and patience and tolerance and wisdom. These are the things we crave. And the way to get those things happening naturally in your life is to be of service to people. So I just started writing. Um, I, it took me 12 months, 6 a.m. every morning, writing one chapter or one, one or two pages. Um, and I had this manuscript. 
and I don't, I don't know anyone in the publishing industry in Australia. I know no friends and family who have books. I'm thinking, how am I going to get this thing published? And then I get a Facebook advert, come across, and no one knew I had this manuscript. Only my wife and I knew, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then I get this, man, this Facebook message saying, we publish books. We'd love to hear from you if you have a manuscript. And I thought, that's strange. Like the universe is conspiring here. What's going on? Um, I got in touch with a publishing house in Sydney. We got on Amazon. We got to number one in six countries and 19 categories on the website. There was an online course that has stemmed from the book. And then the ball started to roll and I started to get excited about life. Um, and then when you're on this path and you feel this way, you can't help but but spread that light to other people because there are other people which have the same scenario. There's something inside of them that they don't quite know how to bring out. And if you can just trust yourself and make the next right move in that direction, then the following right moves are embedded in the first action. And then you can start to make moves in that area that align with who you know you've come forth to be. And all of a sudden, my friend, the right situations, the right circumstances, the right people enter your life that match that vision. And then you begin to live a truth-based existence um, where you can help as many people as possible mm. with what you're good at and what you're passionate about. Right. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. You truly mentioned this. Like, uh, so this is this all about, it's a connection. It's a nature connection. Mm. And uh, we can't actually think it happens. So mm. that's mm. the great thing, I would say. So, mm. yeah. So, so when you mention about the book, so I have the curiosity mm. to understand this thing. Like mm-hmm. uh, in your book, uh, mm-hmm. Move the Mountain in, uh, I mean, Intention Reset. Yes, the new one. Yep. yep. You, you discuss um, mindset gaps for leaders, right? Mm-hmm. Like, could you elaborate on the most Absolutely. common uh, mindset gaps you have Absolutely. that uh, that impact personal and professional growth? Absolutely. So, so the way it works is this: um, where I'm expanding currently into the US, um, and I have a contact there, and she said, "Barry, I've listened to your podcasts. I want to represent you in America." She's based out of Boston. Um, and Heidi and I have, have come to the agreement where she understands that in America and in Australia, what exists is you have big multinational corporations. Yes. Most of them are sales based organizations, right? So they hire a workforce that needs to sell something to a consumer, right? So you go for this job and they say, yes, Barry, you've got the job. And here is what you have to sell to this customer. Right. And they give you sales techniques of how to close the sale or how to ask questions. But that what they don't do is they don't establish a mindset, a toolbox that enables you to go from failure to failure to failure to win to failure to win. They don't give you that toolbox. What they just say is this is how you open the sale. This is how you close the sale. Go out and close. And, and this is very true with a lot of American organizations with thousands of people in their workforce. So what I do and what Heidi does, um, who now works with me is we go and introduce a, a, a resilience based toolbox to say, you can have the sales technique and that's all great. But how do you keep going when you are faced with consistent 
objections, consistent failures. And it's not even the objections. It's it's <clears throat> how do you bounce forward from from being disheartened from so many setbacks? How do you bounce forward from that? And the mindset gap is a way that we provide tools and understandings that get people to go, oh, okay, here is all of the mindset um, techniques. Um, so, you know, you've got the abundance mindset, the scarcity mindset, um, the fixed mindset, believing that things are the same. It's important to understand these mindsets before you a company employs someone to go into a certain position. So, it's almost like an understanding of a personality type. And then how does the company then support that individual on top of sales technique? not just throwing him into sales technique and saying, just go and close sales. Because because what tends to happen with those companies is that they have a high turnover of staff. Because if you get disheartened, Vic, you've tried six, seven times and you failed six, seven times, you're going to start to doubt that yeah. this is the right job for you, right? But if, you, if the company comes from a place of, we know you're going to have failure, we know that, that things are not always going to go your way. Here is a resilience-based toolbox. Here is Barry. He's got his organization that helps on the mindset side of things. Let's put you in one of his courses, for example. Um, and this will be something that forms part of your journey to becoming more successful as a salesperson, as a leader, as a whatever it is in that organization. How do we continually have a plan to face the blocks, the setbacks that we're going to face. Um, and in America, this is very true. In Australia, it's very true as well. So that's where the mindset gap has come from. The website is launching in about two weeks, which is very exciting. And what we're going to be doing as well is we're going to be collaborating with different people in the world as well. So it's okay. it's exciting to put that, that, that understanding behind sales technique, not necessarily saying, oh, here's sales technique. This is how you close the sale. But really, what you have to do is introduce mindset first because that'll lead to a successful and fulfilling career at work and at home as well. When you've got children screaming and when you've got your husband or your wife, they don't understand you. These tools help for that as well. So, it's very exciting for me. It's 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 cool to be in that space uh, to help people and, and corporations. That's interesting, and that's the mm. true, uh, uh, true sense I would say. Uh, mm. Mm. Yeah. So mm. also, also like um, I have seen like many people struggle with the uh, self love and self acceptance. Yes, 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 yes. What are some practical strategies that individuals can uh, incorporate into their daily life to cultivate mm. a stronger sense of self love? Okay, so there's one word, um, and I hope if you're listening to this, I hope you have a pen and paper because this is some great points to write down. Okay, okay. Um, okay so so every time you're in a sense of um, um, understanding who you are as a person and any self-love or any self-worth lacking that you feel you don't have, I'd love you to consider the things that you're grateful for as well. Now, I know it sounds counterintuitive in some instances because if you don't feel the self-love and your self-worth, how can you feel gratitude when at the same time you have to understand that you have a lot of good things happening in your life that you're not paying attention to because you're only focused on the one little part of your pain, 
right? So it's important to do that. And it's funny, Avec, because we don't do that as a species. What we tend to do is we focus on our weaknesses and our down points and our negativity and where we're lacking. But we don't give ourselves the understandings of how far we've actually come. And the podcasts that we listen to, the books that we read, the parents that love us, the children that we're having in the world, the jobs that we're very valuable in, like we don't, we don't consider that in the equation of the holistic part of our lives, right? And if we did, we might not think that it's as bad as what we think it is. So it's very important. It's like when you go to a court and you have the, you know, the prosecution speak and you have the defense speak and then the judge in the middle, they, he tries to work out where the truth is, right? So it's important to do that. What we do is we only allow one side to speak and then the judge is only listening to one side. So what do you think his answer is going to be? It's going to be to the one side. And then we go to live an existence based on the one side. So it's really crucial that if you're in a space of, um, <clears throat> I'm sorry for my voice, it's not usually like this. If you're in a space of um, being down on yourself or, or looking at parts of your life that are not working out, just say to yourself, well, you know what? That's true. This is not working out for me right now. I wonder if there's anything in the last 10, 15 years that, have, that has worked out for me. I wonder if I could just write those things down for the next 10 minutes. Let's just suspend the negativity or the self-loathing just for a minute. Well, I can get back to it later, but let's just now write down the things that have actually gone right. It could be you got a job. It could be someone loves you. It could be you've gone through a lot of trials and tribulations and you've got through it. It could be that you've helped someone. You've added value to a podcast. You've added value to a book. You've added value to someone's life on the street. You you don't know, but you wanted to be kind and you gave love. Like those things are happening as well. So don't just look at mm, the one side of life. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but but it's yeah, important. Yeah, please have gratitude. Um, so um, just quickly in the new book, just to give you an example, okay? Yes. I've looked at the four major religions in the world. I've looked at Hinduism. I've looked at Buddhism. I've looked at Christianity. And I've looked at um, Islam. And if you look at those four religions in the world, right, and you went and had a meeting with a Islamic cleric and a Buddhist a monk, a Christian priest, and a Hindu holy man. And you're all around the table with these four different religions, yes? And then you put gratitude on the table. All of those religions will agree together that gratitude forms a base of every part of their understanding of God, who God is, and the nature of God. You know, they will all say, yes, we agree, we agree. From that place of gratitude, you can build framework for your life. You can build conversation amongst the four biggest religions in the world and you can move forward with, okay, if we all understand that gratitude is important, what else do we agree on? And you can move forward with conversation rather than saying, well, this is what I believe and this is what you believe and we believe different things, so we're going to stay apart. No, we are one species (laughs) and we have to move forward with love. So how do we do that? understand where commonality sits and gratitude is the greatest appreciation for life is the greatest stepping stone that we have as a human species to move forward in our professional lives in our personal lives Um, you come from a place of love 
as often as you can and then you move forward in life so yeah exactly exactly good example i would say so thank you thank you thank you yeah so so also the power of mindset and mm. uh, the subconscious uh, mm. the recurring uh, thing Uh, mm, mm. so could you explain like how thoughts and the subconscious uh, paradigms influence our overall living mm-hmm. and how like they can work together mm. shaping them in a positive way absolutely really good question avik thank you for asking so the first thing i'd like you to do is i'd like to explain the science behind it because i had to understand the science before i wrote the book this the second book um so if you have a pen and paper please write this down so you've got matter right which is skin and bone and and you go to the doctor and you say well doctor <clears throat> what's inside my what's inside my hand and he will say well barry you've got cells inside your hand and then you say well what's inside cells and then you say well inside cells is molecules and then you'll say what's deeper inside cells because you're interested to say how deep your dna runs and he said inside cells is atoms and then he said well, inside atoms is subatomic particles and then you go okay is there anything inside subatomic particles because i want to understand where my thoughts come from yeah. and he said yes he said well quarks q u a r k s quarks are inside subatomic particles and then you say well this is interesting he said because quarks change through the observer effect just by looking at them they will change molecular structure and then you ask yourself what makes them shift like that and the only thing that makes quarks shift molecular structure is thought and energy so when you have a specific thought I want to help people. If you have a specific thought, I'm jealous of someone. If you have a specific thought, I'm unhealthy or I'm healthy. It germinates at that quark level and then comes right up the food chain to what we feel as matter. So it's really important to understand that if you have 75 trillion cells in your body and you tell them that you are no good, then all of those cells will agree with you. they don't question it's very similar <clears throat> to planting a seed in the soil right if you go and plant a seed in the soil the soil will not question what you're planting it thinks that you know what you're doing so if you plant a bad poisonous plant it will make it grow if you plant a beautiful plant it will make it grow they that the soil's job is expansion it does not question what's inside the subconscious mind the paradigms that we have they expand thought into reality which means that if you believe for example this is an example if you are believe you are worth a million dollars a year and you know that you can add that value to the world then every part of the cells in your body will agree with you you'll start to plant the plants that represent that amount of money and then you'll start to get the right connections the right people the right ideas to make that vision a reality but if you were think you were worthing 60,000 a year for example in australian dollars and then you think okay i'm only worth this much money then you will only <clears throat> you will only live a life and plant the seed of $60,000 and the right people circumstances and situations will match that so belief 
consistently thought of over a long period of time is what we call a paradigm. So it is like an entrenched neuro pattern that this is the way things are for you, right? And no one can change your mind. Mm. So the people that can shift paradigms, that can understand that they're worth more or they can heal themselves from cancer or they can, they can find out ways to add value, they can shift paradigms. Those people end up experiencing realities that are miracles or that are different to how we under or how normal people understand life to be. And this is where we say, well, that person's a miracle maker. How did they get so lucky? And it's not a luck. It's that they've decided to think a certain way. And all of a sudden, life doesn't care. Life's going, okay, if you think that's true, I'll show you examples. If you think that's true, I'll show you examples. The soil doesn't care. The subconscious mind doesn't care if you're worth a million dollars a year or you're worth 60,000 a year. It doesn't care. It's just going to give you the physical representation of life that matches that belief. Now, take it to health. And if you believe that no one's gotten over a disease, there's a specific illness that no one's gotten over, and then you start to research people that have beaten this disease, and you think, hmm, how did they do it? And all of a sudden, you start to convince the mind that a new paradigm needs to be made, and it can be made. So you start to give the mind examples of its truth. And all of a sudden, you start to realize that this is a real thing. This is a true thing. How did these people do it? And you start to research, and you start to understand, and you leave the toxic thinking alone. Because you know now that there is a possibility for healing and all of your effort and all of your love and all of your understanding is now channeled towards that thinking. And then life says to you, if you're thinking that way, let me give you more examples of how to beat this thing, right? All of a sudden, your mind explodes with all these ideas and all this understanding and all this um, acceptance that thing can change. So it's... Avik, and this is probably the most important message, whatever you direct your belief towards, whatever you want to understand further, life will show you the physical representation of that in the world. It's whether you have the courage to step outside of normality, mainstream thinking, right, and embrace a dream or embrace uh, goals or embrace courage or embrace something that you really feel in your in your in your gut that you've come forth to be this thing right yeah. then you can be in a situation where you start to go i don't care what anyone else thinks i'm going to go down this road and i'm going to just see what god has in plan for me because there is something here that i know is true so i have to find a way to bring that out and that's that's I'm the, that's the way beliefs are formed so if you're for example, and I'm sorry I'm talking so much because it's very important. All right. The biggest influence that shapes our beliefs is the way that our family thinks because biologically they've passed their genes down to us. Yes. So, so beliefs are formed through inherited thinking. So inherited thinking is the way your great grandparents, your grandparents, your parents thought, right? Yeah. Now, what we don't do is that say the grandchild, say we are the grandchildren of our great grandparents, right? What we don't do is we don't sit there and say, what are the good values that got passed down? And what are the fearful values that got passed down? We don't do that. 
we don't we don't separate them because what we do because we love them so much we take all of their fears and all of their love and all of everything that they're about and we make it part of the future but today is a very different world than it was a hundred years ago Yes. There are opportunities, there are situations around that exist today that didn't exist when our grandparents were, were great-grandparents were alive. So why are we thinking the same way? So we have to have a new thinking paradigm. We have to have a shift in paradigm to be able to say what's healthy, you know, love, understanding, honesty, values, um, tolerance, non-judgment. They were the good values. The bad values for my great-grandparents were fear, don't take risks. Be careful. Don't start that business. You'll fail. Um, be careful when you fall in love because it has to be the right person. And there's all these fear-based understandings that I don't, I don't have in my life anymore. I am, I am understanding, Avik, of danger, but I don't live a life of fear because if I fail at something, I pick up the lesson and then I apply it in another situation. And then I've learned something. It is the tuition that you pay. See, failure is just that. It is, it is a tuition. It is money. It is time paid to learn something. Now, you can either say the price is too high or you can pay the price of the lesson and apply that knowledge and then move forward in the life you want to live. So, yeah. Mm. Exactly. The examples are, so I'm saying like the examples which you're sharing is, um, it's truly meaningful and mm, mm. it's easy to understand. So uh, mm, that's what mm, uh, mm. I'm liking it. And um, so from this also, one thing is coming to my mind, like mindfulness mm. is often uh, so emphasized as a kind of tool for enhancing mm. the uh, mental health. So mm. now uh, what are some uh, simple uh, mindfulness practices? that mm. listeners can incorporate into their daily routine just for their uh, emotional well-being. Absolutely. So there's probably three to four um, techniques. Mm. But but before technique, I'd like you to consider something. Okay. I'd, I'd like you to um, answer a very important quote that Albert Einstein asked, right? And this has formed the basis of my life, <laughs> this question. Albert Einstein asked the question and he said, do I believe that the world is a toxic place or do I believe that the world is a friendly place? Now, you have to answer that question in your heart and you have to answer it in one word you have to you have to tell me if you believe the world is friendly or toxic the reason i asked this question before technique is that there is no point talking about techniques unless you answer this question on the friendly side because what inherently happens avic is you'll have someone that's speaking to you and they could employ the practices of the greatest gurus on the planet you know sadguru is one of my favorite people on the planet but if they inherently believe that the world is toxic they don't understand they they will not come from a place of love and joy and tolerance and non-judgment they will come from a place inherently thinking that the world is not a good place yeah. So it doesn't matter what technique you place on top of that. It will not work. So so you have to answer the question. Now, if you are a toxic person and you say, Barry, the world is a toxic place, right? If you are that, you have to balance the equation. And also, like we said at the beginning of this podcast, how do you find the good? 
because if you if you note the good, then the toxicity isn't as bad. Instead of the toxicity being at nine, it might be at six or five. And then you've got room to add love. You've got room to add more love pieces. You might not be at the friendly side yet, but you're on your way to understand that life is more friendly. When you eventually get to the friendly side, you say, well, Barry, there are friendly people in the world. Look at what Avik's doing. Look at what Barry's doing. Look at the books. Look at the love that I'm showing in the world. The world is, the world is friendly. And then you talk about, we can talk about what we're going to talk about now, which is technique. Yeah. All right. I don't know if that makes sense, but form a base, form a base on your house and then you can build framework. The base has to be strong. It has to be love, love based base, and then you can build. So the first thing I'd like you to consider when it comes to um, tools for mindfulness is you have to be able to go to a place within yourself to meditate twice a day. Very important to do. And I do this for 15 minutes in the morning and 15 minutes in the evening. It's very important to be in a place of gratitude when you're in your meditation. And and this is quite hard to do because as we meditate, all of the thoughts that we had during the day come in our mind, right? So it's important to recognize those thoughts and just like clouds, let them let them whisper away into the air and keep coming back to a sense of if you're thinking about things in meditation, mm-hmm. keep coming back to a place of I am so lucky to be given these 70, 80 years if we're if we're blessed to be able to live my purpose, live my journey. I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful for the food that we've got. Like if the mind insists on chattering, default to gratitude. Okay. Very important to do. Then after that, the the other thing I do is to, is to be very, very careful of your nutritional choices. Hmm. And, and it's something that not many people pay attention to because when we've had a hard day, have you noticed that um, all we want to do is eat bad food? Like we gravitate to food that we know because it's, it ends up being an out. It ends up being something that we deserve this because we had a hard day. We go to alcohol or we go to chocolate or we go to something that's not good for us. So it's important that when you're in your down moments that at least once try not to go for that, that temptation of a bad food. Or if you're eating good food, try not to eat too much. Get to a situation where you're full and you don't have to eat to be very full. Just be in a situation where you're just, you know, you're happy with, you know, your your what you're eating. The the third area is to look at your sleeping habits, right? So they are saying now, science is saying that you need six hours a night consecutively, six hours, not four hours and two hours. You need six hours in a row minimum. And what that does, it allows your brain to convert short-term memories to long-term memories. Have you ever caught up with someone and you've forgotten their name? The chances are you probably didn't get a good night rest the night before and, and, and the brain has had trouble converting memories. So you have to get to a place where sleep is very, very important. So there's physical attributes that affect the mental attributes that we want to live, right? It's very important to consider that. And the last area I would consider is identify the toxic relationships that you've got going on currently. And it could be watching the news every night. If that doesn't serve you, if that doesn't enrich your life, consider if that's healthy for you. Um, you might have friends that only want to catch up when they want to catch up. Be mindful of that as well because your time is precious. You've only got a little bit. So, why give it away to everyone? You know, if you had, if you had 
a few dollars on you. Why would you give all that away? You know, you've got, you've got to understand that to be able to eat tonight or to be able to do, you need something to hold back for yourself to be able to move mm. forward, right? Mm. So how do you how do you do that? So it's important to identify toxicity in all of its forms. To- toxicity is hard when it comes to family and friends. It's very hard because we love our family and we love our friends, right? But it's important to know that if you want to achieve something amazing in life, that if you keep your toxicity levels where they are right now, that you're not going to be moving forward with any other area because because you're not pulling the weeds out of the soil. You're just planting new plants. So it's important to do both. You've got to plant the new plant. At the same time, you see a weed, you've got to pull it out. Because if you don't, you're going to have a very messy garden. And and what do we do, Evic? You and I will walk together and we'll see a beautiful garden in the house. And what are we going to say? That owner spends half their day pulling out the weeds. And, and we admire it. And we say, look how beautiful this garden is. Yeah, but it's the same as mindsets. It's You see someone very successful or you see someone that you admire. They spend their day cultivating what's toxic in their mind and pulling it out and then planting the beautiful plants of non-judgment, tolerance, joy, love, and value and, and put these out into the world. And then you'll grow a garden and people will say, I like a Vic's garden. I wonder how I can do that. Or I like Barry's garden. I wonder how I can do that. And then you start being a teacher and you start being um, a love-based energy into the world and it, it's a beautiful way to live, my friend. It's such a beautiful way to live life. True. Exactly. Yeah. True. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so, like, uh, with this, like, when you mentioned about the garden, about when people started uh, seeing you and learning things from you and yeah. you want to implement. So, here, here also comes about the society. So, like, mm-hmm. building on the idea of authenticity, like, how... Mm-hmm. Uh, an individual navigate the societal pressures and expectations mm. stay true to themselves and uh, their mental health needs mm. so so tell me something um when it comes to um the first question i would ask that person is do they believe that they're being true to themselves and depending on the answer that they give um let's just say they say yes i believe i'm being true to myself um are their actions and thoughts aligned with that answer? Yeah. If the answer is no, um, they're not being true to themselves. And that's a very different conversation because then the answer to that would be, do you think that you would like to be more true to who you are as a person? And then they would have to understand that they have to come back to yes, they would be. And then after the yes, then they would say, well, I would ask them, well, what do you think in the next 24 hours, what do you think we can look at three things that you could action that would be more in line with that? And all of a sudden, let's say the following day, let's do another three things that are different now that would be more. It could be putting a social media post on LinkedIn and it could be ringing a family member and telling them that you need boundaries, right? It could be something like that. Um, It could be not going for that chocolate. It could be waking up and exercising. It could be something that you know you need that you haven't been true to. Right. And then you get to a position where you start making aligned decisions with who you are as a person. And Avik, I cannot stress this next part enough. 
the the opinions of other people become less important to you. Exactly. It's it's very true, my friend. Because if you are not being true to you, what you're saying to me is that the opinions of other people are more important to you than what your opinion is for yourself. And I think Sadhguru was saying, you know, that's the ultimate form of slavery. It's the ultimate form. Your happiness is in somebody else's hands. And whether they want to put you up, put you down, you're all over the place. But when you are... Sorry, go, go, go. go. So it, it is all like a puppet. Like a puppet, my friend. Uh, you're just, you know, on, on the string. Someone's got the strings. And, and, and um, how do you have the courage to do that? You have to get to a point in your life where you are sick and tired of having the puppet pull the strings. And, and you might not be at that point yet, or you might be, I don't know. But for me, at that cemetery a long time ago, inside of me, I was sick and tired of living a life that wasn't who I was. Uh, and then and then I asked myself, what would the next right... So I just started writing. The next right move was writing. I didn't know it was going to be a book. I didn't know it was going to be on Amazon. I didn't know it was going to be a bestseller. I didn't know the mindset gap consultancy will start. I didn't know I'm spending into America. I didn't know any of this. I just knew that the next three things, write the book, Barry, exercise. You haven't been exercising and look at your nutrition because you can't feel good if you're eating bad food and you need to feel good to be able to reach your goals. So, so everything has an underpinning. Everything has something that's connected to something else. So it's, it's important to address what's underneath and then that's going to affect what happens on the surface of life that everybody else sees. So it's, so it's, it's, it's truly important that you listen to yourself. Um, and for corporations, this is the ultimate form of how you retain a strong workforce is that you, you come from a place of how do we help you become you and how do we help you do your job the best that you can? How do we get the best out of you? Yeah. To get the best out of people, listen to them and help them on their personal journey as well as on their corporate journey. When that happens, Avik, you get the most loyal employee in the world and your staff retention goes up, absenteeism goes down and and the corporation moves forward with great relationships and success. But but where you see corporations that have a high staff turnover, it ends up being very sales, very pushy and they don't care about their people. They'll just replace people. That 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 doesn't that's not a long-term strategy for success. That's a short-term strategy. Um, so it's um it's important um to really realize that as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly true. Exactly. Yep. So yep. You, uh, these things exactly matters and um, important for life as well. Like if you do not listen to the person uh, in front of us, so mm. that means we are not actually making connection between both. So mm. we are just bypassing things and we are just making things which we wanted to do. So that's where everything gets ended. Yeah, exactly. So, so mm-hmm. uh, like in your experience, mm. how does the culture of a workplace mm. impact the mental health and uh, overall well-being of an employees? Okay, so so the first thing I'd like you to understand now that we've had COVID run through the world mm. is that um, culture um, ends up being a currency. You know, we often refer to money as the currency, right? So currency is an exchange of goods and services, right? So we're at a level where culture is an exchange of 
of the currency of employees. So yeah. if you want the best talent pool of people to onboard in your company, yeah. you've got to exude a certain culture in your business. And that culture has to be based on the care factor of your workforce. And yes, that comes into looking after their mental health, that looks after putting well-being programs in place and all of that. Yeah. But the most important thing that people want is to understand the people in the US and in Australia that we're coaching now is to understand that their organization cares for them as individuals. Because once that happens, then that individual gives loyalty beyond what they would ordinarily give. They give a family-based loyalty to that, to, to that corporation. Now, when that's given, then that person is working at a hundred percent. They're not working at 60, 70 or 80% like most employees. They're working at 100. When you have a workforce working at 100%, you tell me what the, what is the outcome of that corporation going to be? Definitely. You got, you got. Well, and then you've got nurturing relationships with customers. You've got nurturing. How do I find solution for this customer? Because I want, I just don't want to keep my job. I want to help people now. I want to get into a situation where I can assist. And what tends to happen in Australia as well is that we've got a, a, um, a big law firm, a legal practice on board as a client, right? And lawyers are very bad at self-care. And what they usually do, Ovik, is they open a, a, a bottle of scotch or a bottle of whiskey and they and they, that's their coping mechanism <laughs> for self-care. And um, a lot of the times they don't have time. I mean, they're on very big money, but they're under a lot of stress and they get to a position where um, self-care rituals um, end up being something that they've got no time for. And although that's a valid excuse, it is not going to give them what they want. They ha- you have to make the time. Corporations have to make the time to, now that we're past COVID, have to make the time to be able to instill practices into, into wellness, into, into their, um, into the DNA of their business. That, that means that employees will tell their friends, you should come and work for my company. They actually care about me. Now, this, doesn't just come from leadership. It has to trickle down from the owner of the business. It has to be a philosophy of understanding from the top. Because what we realize here in Sydney is that middle management want this for their staff, but they're not being supported by upper management. Mm. So this has to be an understanding from upper management and uh, embraced by the owners and upper management. And then it can find a way to trickle down to staff. But if it is not then it is a short-term lived. You get frustrated C-suite managers that call me that say, well, Barry, what you're saying is absolutely true. Um, I don't have the support from my boss. And then I know that the conversation is not going to go anywhere because unless they have the con- that, that conversation, if their boss doesn't believe in mental health or wellness to attract good employees for long-term success, then then there's nothing I can say or do to convince them. So there's in a, there, I'm in a situation where I want to talk to the companies that believe that this is needed in their business. And then I provide the tools. I'm not there to convince them. I'm there to assist them. Um, because I've tried to convince people in the past, Avik, my friend, it doesn't work. Yeah. Or if it works, it works for a little bit of time. And then they revert back. So, so I've realized that I can't help anyone that doesn't want to help themselves. I, I, it's, it's true of our children. It's true of our parents. If they don't want the help, 
they're not gonna they're not it doesn't matter if you've got good intentions my friend or if you've got good solid understanding of something if they don't want your help it doesn't matter if you convince them they will still put arguments back to saying no we don't need that we don't need that and you say you have to get to a position in your life where you say okay and help the people that that know that they need that assistance and that's that's how we've approached our approach in sydney and we're growing so the people that we help are the people that know that they want to have this as a strategy not just to grow their business but for the health of their people and and that's the workplace that everyone wants to work at and that's the workplace that everyone wants to give their best at and um that's the workplaces that end up succeeding like really succeeding in life and they're the people that you want to work with from a, from a if you're a customer you want to buy from that company yeah. you know what i mean because it's yeah it comes from a place of love and understanding and tolerance so it's great yeah that's, that's good. so like mm-hmm. um, okay so before we wrap up like of course what advice or words of encouragement Uh, would you mm-hmm. give to someone who is struggling with their mental health or finding it difficult to embrace the authentic self okay okay so what i'd like you to do it's very simple um and it's not complicated um when you're in your quiet space when there's no noise around you um i'd like you to go into that meditative state um and it's important that you turn your phone off please no distractions okay and i need you while your eyes are closed i'd like you to get your hand and touch your heart and i'd like you to answer what would the next right move look like if i was to go down a path of self love um radical self acceptance and to find my purpose and my journey and the answer as soon as you touch your heart the answer comes very very quickly and very freely and it's the truth So what would the next right move look like? Identify that. Now, when you identify the next right move, whatever that is, it could be putting a social post, it could be throwing out the chocolate in your house, it could be whatever it is, right? Once you identify it mentally, yeah. straight away after you come out of your meditation, go and action it. Because you're in a state of love, you're in a state of enthusiasm, you're in a state of you've got the truth inside of you your higher consciousness has spoken yeah. now it's up to you to action that and to make that next right move when you make that next right move then the following right moves become obvious they don't they're not a struggle anymore and and please don't get deterred by the length of the journey a lot of people say well barry it's so long for me to be this or it's too long for me i want it now i want it now i want it now and the thing is you go out into the beautiful forest and you see a tree and you realize how long avic this tree has been growing 50 years 60 years 70 years and you you touch how beautiful the bark on this tree is and you feel its energy and you realize that good things take time You know, if you go and see a flower and you try and force that flower to open, it's not going to open. It's going to open when it's ready. You go into the beach, into the waves of the ocean, and you're not happy with the way the waves are coming in, and you want them to come in faster. And then life says to you, "This is the rhythmic balance of how the waves come in. Learn to appreciate that things take time." and then you employ that nature is the ultimate teacher 
right? And then you start to think down that road, which is, okay, Barry said the next right move. I could be making a hundred of those before I see any results, but I know that this is the right move to achieve those results. And I don't care how long it's going to take. I don't care if it takes 10 years. I don't care if it takes 10 days. I don't care. I just know that this feels right for me. And all of a sudden, beautiful things happen on that path that you could not fathom, you could not predict, that end up aligning with the purpose and the healthy paradigms that form who you are meant to be and the value that you have to give to the world, that you can give to the world. And it's a beautiful path to walk if you don't strangle the timing. If you strangle the timing, I'll be honest with you, don't do it. Because then you're after immediate gratification. You're after something now, 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 now. Bad things happen quick. Good things take time. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. So, uh, so, so there is a saying also like uh, shorter, mm. shorter routes always uh, gives you quick, quick results. But mm. there will be definitely some uh, bad things are waiting for you. But mm. when you when you uh, travel from the road, which is longer and full of mm. obstacles and all, mm. but when you clear those obstacles, it will be mm. clear. So it will be absolutely. Clear. I'll tell you what short routes, um, Avik, short routes gives you temporary success. True. Like it's not long-term success. Um, it's it's not. It's it's um, appreciate your journey. You know, it's not like if you reached at your destination tomorrow, let's just say you had everything you wanted tomorrow, right? Then what? Like then what do you do? Yes. So what God's uh, he's holding it back is like you will get there eventually, but – enjoy the journey that you're on because the lessons and this is the beautiful part about about god exactly. he he will he will say um yes you will get there if you follow these steps you will get there but i love watching you apply the lessons that you've learned in the last 20 years to get there he loves watching that because it means that despite your setbacks you still want to learn. You still want to grow. You still want to add value to the world. You still want to do these things. And just like parents love to see their children grow in this way, God likes to see his children grow in this way, which is to apply the lessons that he's giving us. I mean, sure, I have two children, Avic. I can give them everything they want tomorrow, but I don't. Why do I hold it back? Because I know that it's a journey for them to receive these blessings. And um, if you can just incorporate that into your life as a ritual, as an understanding, just keep showing love, my friend. Keep showing gratitude. Keep showing kindness to yourself as well as the world. Keep showing these attributes. Then the world matches those attributes. And then someone gives you a call and says, I'd like you to join my business or I'd like you to expand what I'm doing or I'd like you to. And all of a sudden, where did that come from? It's because you're aligning with the vibration of what you want to receive and you are that vibration. So it's very important to um, please be that and speak from love as often as you can. And don't be hard on yourself. This yeah. is a very important. You can be a little bit hard on yourself. Oh, I missed that opportunity or whatever. But cry for a day, but move on. You know what I mean? Like don't, don't let it become part of who you are. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. That, that's truly said that. 
so so as we as we come uh, to the end of this insightful episode uh, of, <laughs> <laughs> which i do not want it to but uh, <laughs> um on this embracing authenticity and nurturing the mental health self love and well being so i want to express my gratitude to bell <laughs> for sharing his profound wisdom and expertise so barry barry has actually shed light on the importance of uh, embracing our true selves and prioritizing our mental health in our journey towards personal fulfillment and overall well-being so his insights on mindset gaps self-love and reshaping our thoughts has provided individual or in i'll say it's a kind of invaluable tools for our listeners to apply in their own lives so listeners so always remember that you have the power to nurture your mental health cultivate self-love and embrace your authentic self which is very very important so it's a journey that requires the self compassion mindfulness and a commitment to your personal growth so you can also explore barry's latest book which i already mentioned and i'll also mention it in the description that move the mountain intention reset so which delves deeper into the transformative power of mindset and intentions mm-hmm. so thank you for joining us today and being a part of this enriching conversation remember remember and remember to practice self care prioritize your mental health and continue on the path of authenticity and well-being so stay tuned for more empowering discussions on our podcast where we strive to provide you with the tools and inspiration to live a fulfilling and balanced life so until next time take care and be kind to yourself and thank you bhai for joining on the show and thank sharing you, all your experiences and thoughts that's thank a you. great yeah thank you